Cleveland Schmooze is sponsored by the Cleveland Jewish News. Get the latest news and information from the Cleveland Jewish News delivered right to your inbox. Choose from breaking news, daily headlines, community life cycle notices, arts, events, highlights, and more with our free e-newsletters. Sign up now at cjn.org slash e-signup. Welcome to Cleveland Schmooze, a bi-weekly podcast about the people who make up Jewish Cleveland. I'm your host, Rachel Rood. And I'm her mom, Robin. This week, we're bringing you an interview with local playwright Faye Charlatan. She's a standout writer and director in the Cleveland theater scene and is the founding artistic director of Interplay Jewish Theater. We sat down with Faye Charlatan at B'nai Sharon Congregation in Pepper Pike. Faye Charlatan, thank you so much for joining us on Cleveland Schmooze. My pleasure. <laughs> Let's just talk a little bit about your childhood and some of the Jewish traditions that you remember growing up with, um, if there were any. Uh, I would say that I was raised in a Reform Jewish home. We observed festivals, and I attended Anshe Chesed, Fairmount Temple. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we are many of us are Jews before we become them, um, and that was the case for me. Um, I had a religious school education, but I think it was many uh, decades until I figured out that I actually had some kind of responsibility specifically to the Jewish community and I wasn't in my 30s until that happened but it it came around um, an exhibit that I saw of uh, from Terezin and understanding oh wait a minute I I need to be part of this I need to own um, some part of our history and learn about it and make it my own and from then forward I wrote for the Jewish news and uh, the Jewish news was what landed me in a theater, and that story can evolve as we talk. Yeah. Can you explain that a little more, though? What is Terezin? Terezin is the name of the camp that was the model POW camp uh, in Czechoslovakia. It was an old garrison uh, that soldiers used, and then they transferred them into barracks that they took uh, prisoners. They it, it was It was something that wasn't designed as a death camp. It was really a holding camp. And they collected prisoners who had special talents very often that they could put on theater plays and have concerts and things like that. So in case the Red Cross ever made a visit, and those visits were always announced, that um, the nothing would be said to the outside world about what was really going on to the Jews of Europe. Wow, that's something I didn't know about. Yeah, it's a pretty um, creepy part of the propaganda that wow. kept kept the horror alive for so many years. What got you interested in wanting to tell stories? I think you either tell them or you don't tell them. And so I guess I was one of the tellers. I always enjoyed writing. I didn't think that I had any specific talent for it, but that didn't stop me. Um, The move into the Cleveland Jewish News was because I was writing press releases for all the organizations that I was working for, and they kept running my releases the way I wrote them. And I went in one day and I said, well, can I just write for you? And that's what happened. So one of the first stories that I did was in 1984 about the Terrazine exhibit. Mm -hmm. So you're saying that this exhibit really sort of connected you to your It did. Yeah, absolutely did. But what about growing up where you, what was your relationship with Judaism then? You you said you followed the traditions, but did you ever sort of use it as an influence for writing or 
you know, follow any Jewish Not writers? Not specifically. Or? I think that more it was a social conscience that mm-hmm. I developed. Rabbi Lelyveld was my rabbi. Um, he confirmed me and later married my husband and me. And I, I saw his example. I saw how you wear your politics, you know, in very visible ways and in very emphatic ways. And so I associated that. I suppose, culturally and socially with my Judaism. Going back to your writing for the Cleveland Jewish News, and you said that transitioned you into theater. So how did that happen? They let me go review plays. Mm. And so um, this put me in the room. In those days, there were a lot of pages that were dedicated to the arts. And so where there was a Jewish director or there was a Jewish theme and sometimes even where there wasn't, or for example, Great Lakes Theater was then Great Lakes Theater Festival. Mm -hmm. Jerry Friedman was the artistic director Mm -hmm. and I covered that theater company for all the years that he was in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. And he was Jewish, so we got a free pass. We got to go (laughs) in and see everything. And before too long, I was sitting in rehearsals and watching what went on in the kitchen and I thought, this is really fun. This is really, everybody here is very alive. Uh, they're very in tune to each other. They are very devoted to their work. They could make an adjustment with one brief suggestion from a director and suddenly the whole scene just caught fire. <laughs> and that was a wonderful place to be. So I really fell in love with the theater in a major way, watching Jerry direct. Uh, he brought George Abbott in for his 100th birthday mm-hmm. and watching George Abbott direct at 100. Wow. And uh, I, I couldn't get over how energetic this man was. I think it, it really does keep you going. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's enough to fire you up in the morning and keep you going all day long. Were you there when Tom Hanks was there? Uh, no, I mean, I was in Cleveland then, but he had already made a national reputation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I started at the Jewish News in 1985. Yeah, we want to hear all the celebrities you got to meet. <laughs> yeah, oh, well, that's you don't have the time. <laughs> but it was it was good, and it was good to see, good to see it done right, and it was good to see that devotion that I'm talking about. It it was, um, and the shorthand that developed between people who work together. Mm-hmm. It's. Interesting, though, because a lot of people like to go to theater, like to watch theater, be around theater. But then there's that leap to actually writing and acting and being involved in it. So directing. So what made you think that you could enter this world? Um, The short answer is after I was at the Jewish News for 10 years, one night I was on the phone talking with someone and she was telling me something and I I had this vision that was theatrical, and I I just saw this as something that would translate to the stage. So I'd been spending enough time, and my degrees are in literature, so Mm -hmm. it wasn't brand new. Um, And I I saw something visual come into my head in the middle of the night, and the next day I went in and said to Cindy Dettelbach, I I think I'm going to take a leave of absence. And she said, what will you do? I said, I thought I'd write a play. And instead of saying, um, well, what would we do without you? That never came up. (laughs) That was pretty devastating. And instead, she said that um, she, that was always her dream to Mm -hmm. write a play. Mm 
-hmm. So I, that was my, it wasn't the end of my relationship with the paper, but it was the end of my um, staff time. And uh, 17 years later, when Cindy retired, she started writing plays. So all of that came to fruition. Very Mm -hmm. nice. When you subscribe to the Cleveland Jewish News, you receive 52 issues of the award-winning CJN and 15 total magazines, including J-Style, Canvas, and Balanced Family. Try the Cleveland Jewish News for free. Start your six-week free trial at cjn.org slash six free. Did you have a lot of flops before you found one that you liked? (laughs) Uh, See, I don't think anything is a flop. Mm -hmm. Um, The flops you never see or hear about, I would never mention them. But they're they're attempts. And the first attempt, especially because it comes out of not a a labored state, it comes out as just messy inspiration, is going to get pretty ugly. So no one ever has to see that. But by doing it and by trying it, then you learn a few things from your mistakes. Mm-hmm. So the play that was really my first play was The Interview, which oh, you've we seen. Right. And it was really good. That was uh, more than 20 years ago. So How I've many been times writing. was it performed? They, I, in the Around the back, country, uh, about three dozen times. Oh. Yeah. Can you explain for people who might not know what The Interview is, um, the plot and sort of how you came up with it? Again, during those years where I was becoming what I already was, um, I worked for the survivors of the Shoah Visual History Foundation. Mm-hmm. And I, because I'd been a Jewish journalist also for 10 years, uh, I had been in the homes of many survivors and their children. I had talked to people about generally uh, reunions or finding, going back to a hometown or meeting at Yad Vashem in Israel or something. Uh, the the Spielberg project was something totally different because you were now walking into a home where the person had asked for someone to come in and take their testimony. This was totally different. You were talking about life before the war. You were Mm -hmm. talking about how everything blew up during those years and then trying to collect all the pieces and start a life again. And you could ask questions like um, talk about your grandparents or, you know, the kinds of things grandchildren should be asking their own grandparents. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what's your earliest memory? Um, What was it like when you were yanked from your home? Describe that night and and so on. And then to what kind of parent were you? You know, you're you're suddenly taking the arc of an entire life mm-hmm. and um, going through that experience with uh, more than two dozen survivors. I heard stories that if I didn't write something down, I was going to explode. Mm-hmm. And so the play came from um, a case where the first person whose testimony I took for that project had two grown children who didn't talk to her. Mm-hmm. And so I needed to just stand back and and from all the things I heard from all the people from the things that were done to them what might have how that might have impacted who they were as parents and how the rest of their lives played out and that was the basis for the interview it's a survivor who opens the door for her interviewer who is the child of other survivors Mm -hmm. and over time you begin to question who's interviewing whom Mm -hmm. and um that that's the power of it mom what did you take away from the interview um well i enjoyed it um i uh, actually went to high school with a lot of 
uh, students who were children of survivors in the 70s. And um, only as we are now all adults did I know that their parents were survivors. So that was like a big secret. So I, I really related not so much to the survivor or her daughter, who she was having that back and forth with. I really um, related to the interviewer, who seemed to me similar to some of the kids, adults now, that I went to school with, who really grew up not really having that information about what was the matter with their parents and couldn't understand why their parents, you know, how come my mom and dad aren't like every other mom and dad at the school. That was the character I really related to, Mm -hmm. not so much the other side of the story, although it was all well done. We had a young actress, and first time out, Dorothy Silver played the role of the survivor. (laughs) And Dorothy was, they were all amazing. It was wonderful to be uh, more than 20 years into this play and finally hear her read the role. It was really spectacular. And we should say Dorothy Silver is definitely not a new. No, she's not a neophyte. (laughs) She is is a a treasure. Not only in Northeast Ohio, but wherever she's ever performed. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. So how has the play changed for you over the years since you said this is 20 years old at this point? Yeah, I, actually when I wrote it, I was, you know, the interviewer was my stand-in. And the older I get, the closer I feel to the, uh, the mother in the mm-hmm. play. Because there are always things that you wish had gone more smoothly in the house. And you're wondering at what point um, the little bits of your own past have fed how you handled the situation. And what is interesting to me about the play and how applicable it seems to everybody relates to some aspect of it, Uh, things left unsaid, uh, things that when you have silences in families, which is what this is all about, those things you dare not speak of, then when you can't talk about something, you can't really talk about anything. There's that great big, I hate the elephant in the room, but that, that seems to be an expression everybody understands, mm-hmm. that we, you talk around things or you see mm-hmm. things come out in angry behavior. Um, and I, I understand all of that. And one of the things that they taught us in our training was to not judge people. And that was really one of the most helpful notes I ever got then as an interviewer and right through to today. Mm-hmm. Just take everything for what it is. And if somebody says something harsh, it might have nothing whatever to do with you. Mm-hmm. It's coming from some place that predated you very often. Right. And you never know what someone's you going don't. through. And by the same token, Bracha, who's the name of the character, gets angry when the interviewer says, I admire you so much. Mm. No, never admire me. You know, because when somebody heaps too much praise on you, it feels disingenuous and it, right. it just turns the whole thing upside down. It becomes something not to be desired. It's become something where um, they bristle or we bristle. There must be somebody who pays you ridiculous compliments all the time and you want them you know, down, girl. Mm-hmm. That's enough. Mm-hmm. We recently went to Chicago and we saw Hamilton there. Mm-hmm. And one of the themes from that play is like who tells your story and how you're remembered is basically by people who tell your story. And it reminds me of your role as a um, playwright and the role of 
that you have of making sure that people's stories are represented in a way that is going to stand the test of time and 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 be remembered, especially with a subject like the Holocaust? Uh, it's a good question. Um, I think that very often, I'm one of the few people I know who almost always writes from real life. And so I have uh, this extreme need to get it right and to honor the people that I write about. I We have not done any axe murderers or anything that I <laughs> would want to spend the time that kind of time with. Right. It's it's I need to truly fall in love with all my characters. But you do your best and you talk to as many people as you possibly can to make sure that you're you're doing the job right. Do you see similar themes in Jewish plays that sort of keep coming up or as it becomes more contemporary is it really kind of the gamut of any lived experience just told by a Jewish person? I think more the latter. Mm-hmm. I think that um, what I love about it and what I'm trying to do, so it's nice to appear on a millennial <laughs> podcast, <laughs> is that um, I am getting a lot of young writers because mm-hmm. I think they have so much to say. Um, I have a very faithful over 60 audience, and what I'm hoping <laughs> to do, and I'm being really kind, um, and I like that because I am too. But I think that um, the idea is just to keep putting the work out there and letting people come and discover it, as you now have. Mm-hmm. So how can people donate or help you guys out, get in touch with you if they want to? Um, we have a website. Uh, it's interplaycleveland.com which you can link. I assume it still works. I don't know. <laughs> or our email address is interplayjewishtheater. I, yes, interplayjewish. <laughs> I had to think about it because I often get the website in the, uh, I'm old. Um, interplayjewishtheater, and theater is spelled R-E in the British way, at mm. gmail.com. So they can find us or just Google my name or the company name and you'll you'll come up with it. And I'll be happy to tell you. Where to direct it, but mostly um, for you young people, come see us because we really do, I think, amazing work. I think it's contemporary. I think you will relate to a lot of the the people that we bring in, and um, and the work I think is as good as anything that's being done. Thanks for listening to Cleveland Schmooze, a podcast produced by Rachel and Robin Rood. Tune in every other Friday to get the latest episode in your podcast feed. You can also find an archive of our episodes at our website, clevelandschmooze.com. And feel free to share any comments or suggestions to our email, clevelandschmooze at gmail.com. That's schmooze spelled C-A-S-C-H. <laughs> That's schmooze spelled schmooze. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Goodbye. Goodbye.